0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Morning Shot Uncut. Here I
1: am, Ramon. Byron is with me. Hello, Byron. Hello, Ramon. Are you feeling any less uh, ill, or have you uh, recovered from your bout of AIDS? No, I still have AIDS, I'm afraid. No cure for it quite yet. So if I do sound like
0: a seal that has been shot in the mouth throughout this whole podcast, I do apologize, but that's life for you. And if you wish to support the Morning Shot Uncut podcast, please become a member on Substack. The link is
1: down below. So, and once you become a member on Substack, you'll be able to watch this video and then look at Ramon and be like, cheers, Ramon, you really do look like you got AIDS. But I'm
0: still here, right? So I do more work today than most people do in a week, even though I'm sick. Nevertheless, we want to talk about ethnic nationalism in South Africa. And we think it is the future of politics in South Africa. And the reason why I say that, Byron may disagree we haven't talked about this before, is that if you look at the parties, the political parties that are growing, they are all ethnic nationalist parties. The IFP, the Patriarch Alliance, which is a colored party, the Free Front Plus, which is an Afrikaner party, and especially at a local level, you have a lot of parties that sort of envelop a certain type of ethnicity at a local level. This, excuse me, this, I think... Is going to determine the future of the South African fragmentation in a real sense of the word. So that is what we're gonna talk about in this particular podcast. So Byron, when I say ethnic nationalism, like what do you what do those words um how do they make you feel?
1: Ramon, they make me feel like you're a hard right white supremacist who wants to reinstitute apartheid and subjugate all the different races because that's what the media tells me I should feel whenever you say anything about nationalism, right? I mean, obviously, that does make you a Nazi. And, uh, you know, that Nazism means that you want to subjugate the world and go out and slaughter some Jews. Because, again, that's what the media tells me I should believe whenever you use those words. But in reality, Ramon, here's here's a problem in the modern South Africa. And that is, in modern South Africa, we were all sold the idea that, you know what, like, there was no nationalism here. There was no different cultures. We were all just this idea of South African. You know, because we're all South African, we all shared some kind of common destiny. But the reality is that we don't share a common destiny, as we're also told by our politicians on a daily basis. Some of us were previously disadvantaged. Some of us were advantaged. Some of us should be allowed to do whatever the freak we want, and others shouldn't. And so we understand that in this nation called South Africa, there are these things called cultural differences. But whilst we have these things called cultural differences, and we say, well, we live in a non racial society. The very of, definition of racism is that I believe my race and my culture are more superior than yours. And as we all know, we can't say that as, as white people. And in fact, Indian people and colored kind of people can't say that either because, you know, modern South Africa, we, we, we don't have an identity, do we? We're just South African. But as we know from Black Nationalists, apparently that culture is better than ours because, you know, they invented everything, and there was Wakanda here before we arrived. And uh, you know, they even the first on transplant was caused by, you know, a domestic worker from I don't know somewhere or other. And we're all told these things. But what they all, Baron, fact check. He was a god, but anyway, well, nah, well, you know. But what we all know is that in modern South Africa, the idea of nationalism on a national level, in other words, in the media class and to the politician, doesn't really exist because you know we're all South Africans. Until we not, and then we all know on the ground level that actually that isn't really the case. The case is that Afrikaners want to be Afrikaans. White people want to be white. And by white, I mean Anglo. You know the the English type, the Libtards that we hate. You know those people want to be Libtards that we can all make fun of. You know they can all talk about their pronouns and how you know nothing in life ever works for them and who hoo hoo, I don't know screw off to some shithole. But the reality is that in the actual day-to-day life, you know, coloured people want to be of Indian people want to be Indian. They have an appreciation for their own sense of identity. So outside of the media class and the political class, the idea of nationalism or cultural heritage is actually very important to people. And it's becoming more important in the modern world where we have uh, ideas of relativism where nothing actually applies. Because nothing mm-hmm. applies in a modern environment, everybody wants, she wants to have a sense of identity. And their identity can't be South African. What the fuck does that mean? means fuck all. It means nothing. Right? So they actually want to have their own identity. And Indians just want to be Indians. And naturally, when an Indian wants to be an Indian and he finds somebody that wants to promote Indian values, he's going to vote for him. Oh, excuse me. So, you know, the point is he's going to vote for him. And that's exactly what we're seeing now in politics. We're seeing that people that actually promote individual interests or individual cultures are the ones that are most successful. We saw this in Iranian, mate. Orania was very successful, but it only promoted the Afrikaner. Yeah, and that's sort of the basis of this podcast.
0: So now people have actually seen the fruits of our labours. We spent four days driving around this country, spending an awful amount of time and money, going to Buffett West to look at the Pedro Alliance, going to Orania to look at the Afrikaners and how they do it. And we came away, and that that trip—I don't know about you, Barry—but that trip sort of changed the way I look at things in South Africa. Not not to a didn't change my mind, but it, it, it refined the ideas about the Enclave Society. And I never looked at the Enclave Society politically. I looked at it in terms of, of economics and things like that. But now, there's actually more Enclaveism than I expected, and from people that we wouldn't think would support it. So, for example, right, in Beaufort West we spoke to two coloureds. It's a Coloured town for the most part, it was a Coloured mayor, it's all very recently, Gates and Mackenzie. And we spoke to Gates, and we said like, you know, you started off as a Coloured Nationalist Party, you still are overwhelmingly that in that regard. Um, You need to expand, you want a few more whites in, a few more blacks, as many votes as possible. But fundamentally you started off with this idea of sort of Coloured Nationalism. (laughs) And It has done him extremely well. He's the kingmaker in a variety of municipalities around the country. They are still growing. They are expecting to get a million votes in 2024. I'm not too sure whether that can happen or not, but kudos to them. Just for reference, a million votes is EFF numbers. 10% of the vote, depending on turnout. That's huge. That is absolutely huge. So if the IFP do really well, if the Freedom Plus do really well, if the Patrick Alliance do very well, and other nationalist parties, off the top of my head I can't think of any, do really, really well, what does that mean for the Big Tent parties? right? The parties that are like, we don't care about culture or race, okay, race, we don't care about culture or race, we are for a set of principles or a set of values, like the ANC and like the DA. It seems to me that the ANC are understanding this, because they said we will go into coalition with anyone, who share our values, and their values are so vague anyone can join it. The DA, on the other hand, with the shenanigans going on in Joburg, are not really understanding that the fragmentation of the vote makes them weaker, not stronger. So I really want to talk about that particular aspect of it.
1: Yeah, so he has he has, a, he has the generic problem now that we are experiencing in politics. And that was this idea that, you know, you had this collective how should we say political parties they represented ideals as opposed to people what we're finding is that a lot of the parties is that the ideals are no longer shared by the mass population so if you look at the DA the core identity is that of uh, liberalism right they want to be liberal but we're not even seeing it in, in the way of classically liberal which is you do what you do I do what I do and we kind of have a respect for each other right we have this new idea now of, of neo-liberalism which is like I'm actually going to tell you about all my progressive type ideas. You know, you declare your pronouns, I declare my pronouns, and if I say I don't do the pronoun game, well, that's not okay, right? She's like, you no, no, you must, you must be intolerant to the less tolerant. Do you know what I mean? It's Rousseau's idea, right? So of the, of the intolerance of tolerance, like you, you have to be intolerant to to people's inability to share your values, and then we call that liberal. We call it neoliberal. You know, you don't agree that. Boys can be girls and girls can be boys. And, well, that's intolerant. That makes you homophobe. So the idea that that's kind of like the new neoliberalism. People people don't bother. Man. Like We don't live in that kind of country where neoliberalism is a thing. Neoliberalism is a, let's call it a luxury culture. It's a luxury culture of, of societies where there's no unemployment, where everybody gets fed, everybody's fat, and everything works, right? Those are luxury beliefs of, of should we call them, lavish societies. We do not have one of those societies. We have the highest unemployment rate in the world. We have people that don't know how to be entrepreneurs. We have people that don't know how to create businesses. They don't know how to, many businesses, they don't know how to read, let alone anything else. So the reality of the situation is we don't live in a country where neoliberalism is a is a, is a proxy thing. And as a result, what's happening is we have the frag, fragmentation of people. We have people saying, well, I can't all abide by this idea of neoliberalism. We also have a country where Christianity is the predominant religion, but we've taken God out of the schools. So we can't even have people kind of like have a sense of identity in the shared religion. You know, like in the Islamic states, everybody would say, well, we're an Islamic caliphate, so therefore we have Islam as our cornerstone. And as a result, everybody wants to kind of look for their cultural identity. So that's exactly what the Afrikaner is doing. He's relying more heavily on this fact of the Africa's culture. We find that in the Zulu provinces, the Zulus are relying more on their Zulu culture. We find then the colored communities of becoming more colored. And the Indians becoming more more Indian because they see identity in their own communities. As a result, from the, the, the DA wanting to promote parties and even to a degree the ANC. The ANC has deeply Marxist-Leninist type ideas there. They try to pretend to be sen- center-left, but they're not really. They're actually now on the far left of left. So probably because they've surrendered to the SACP to a large degree. They've allowed the SACP to do their thinking. But what that means is that these parties that are running based on ideals aren't really the future because the parties that are going to be successful are the parties running on cultural identity and these parties that all wish to promote themselves based on ideals are in decline and we've seen that in the electorate. Yeah, no, we really are. We really are. I mean, I
0: fully expect the Freedom Front ifpp to do really well. Uh, be good. I mean, there's no Indian Nationalist Party because there's only like a million but- of them. And the DA cobbled up those votes. But there could be one in time to come. Mm-hmm. Al Jamal is a is a is a is a nationalist Muslim party. They've had a million Gerburg. Mm-hmm. Yes, understandably, due to shenanigans, but at the end of the day, as an ethnic group, Muslims control Job. That's huge. The intolerant minority always wins. Mm-hmm. In, especially in a place of chaos like South Africa. So, if ethnic nationalism is the future of South Africa, Byron. What would you do if you were the DA? Because I think the DA could be the biggest
1: loser of this. Well, I think the DA and the ANC are going to be the biggest losers of this. And, you know, I think that that writing was on the wall. Let's look at old uh, Zuma's son, you know. He's actually an educated guy. He's actually quite interesting to, to listen to. Why is it that in the next national election he's running as an independent, and not as a representative of the ANC? right In what provinces what province is he pushing right he's pushing the Zulia agenda right now as a as the son of a, an ANC as an ANC liberator fighter why doesn't he just join the IFB? that would be the most logical step well he can't can he because you know of the historical links so now he's going to run as an independent so why is it that he's not running on an ANC ticket well because he understands something that the rest of us understand and that's actually the ANC's biggest problem at the moment why does Cyril struggle with the RET faction there's actually no real RET faction. The actual problem there is the fragmentation of the cultural identity. It's the fact that you've got vendor, you've got a vendor leading, leading a, a party that's got a ton of causes and zulus in it. And the vendor and the zulus and the causes don't really have the same cultural identity. You see, even here in South Africa, even the black people don't share the same cultural identity. So as a result, the cultural, the cultural uh, dynamics there constantly shift. You know, the Zulus want to be in charge. Then the Guzzas want to be in charge. And now they've got a vendor at the charge. Like, ah, oh, okay, now what? Right? It's, and that's why we always have these kind of conflicts between the Eastern Cape and Natal. Was it Right? These things, these things, these fragmentations are becoming more and more apparent. They were never there 20 years ago. They were never there 10 years ago. But as the, aden- the ideas behind the liberal, the, the Fartis, as they continue to embrace, should we say, doctrines that aren't really deemed relevant anymore, the cultural elements of everything become more important. And that's exactly what we see. We're seeing it even inside of their own political parties. Yeah,
0: so which begs the question, how does the DA fight this, right? And people are going to say we're DA Shields. No, 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 we actually think the DA is wrong with the Shanigans and Joburg. Uh, So we're not DA Shields at all. But if you are a liberal party, a centrist party, and you want to ensure that you have a say in the future of South Africa, with this growing ethno nationalism on either side of you, you just remain the centrist. Like, that is your USP. That is your unique selling proposition. That is what defines who you are. And you go into coalitions or agreements with the people growing to your right on an ethnic basis and sort of hold them to account. But you don't not go into them because they are ethnic nationalists. That's what seems to be going on here, and I think deep down the DA knows that PA could make huge inroads in the Western Cape, come next year, maybe bring the DA below 50%. So for the DA's selfish reasons, they prefer not to give a platform to the PA, knowing that it may strengthen the PA and then, you know, sort of hit the DA in the Western Cape after the national, or during the course of the national elections. But if we are correct and ethnic nationalism is going to determine the future of politics in South Africa, well, your unique selling proposition is not to be the ethnic nationalists
1: is to be the interest where everyone else can coalesce around. See the problem, the problem inevitably comes that we've just discussed, like we've just said about the fragmentation within the ANC itself and how the political parties are or- of fragmentation due to the cultural identity. This is actually what the this is actually what the DA is now seeing even in the Western Cape. Because the DA is obviously traditionally was, as we know from the media class, it's a white party, right? I mean it gets far more votes than the number of whites in South Africa actually even exist, but you know, apparently that still makes it a white party. Even if every white vote for it it still wouldn't account for their vote tally. But anyway, that's a an inconvenient fact. Anyway, the, the reality is that if you look in the Western Cape, the amount of people that actually vote for this is predominantly colored. But as, they, as the cultural fragmentation occurs, that's why we've seen the rise of the PA, right? And the, the rise of the PA is unprecedented. Nobody really saw it coming. And so as a result, the DA is now in a province where they thought they had no real competitors. You know, the only real competitors were a couple of years ago, Freedom Front Plus, standing in, the, in the, the face of the DA kind of taking the Afrikaans vote. Now they've got the P.A. taking the coloured vote. So who's really left with the, the D.A.? Well, the D.A. is left with the uh, the Anglos, the Anglos, you know, the liberal, the liberal That one who still kind of cling on to this idea that we all want to be liberal together. So the D.A. kind of tries to reconvince everybody that they should rejoin them based on their historical their historical track. Oh, D.A. works, right? Everything in the D.A. municipality just works. Yeah, D.A. does govern better than the A.N.C. D.A. steals less than the A.N.C. Their provinces are usually better run than the ANC. No disputing that. But that is not what attracts the majority of the voters. The voters aren't attracted just to the fact that you've got a running, a running uh, I don't know, water network or something. Your pothole got fixed. Yes, those things are important. But you know what people really want to see in a modern world? They want to see somebody that they can relate to. The problem is that the DA isn't relatable to many people anymore because it's still trying to promote ideals, this idea of liberalism. But it doesn't. It doesn't really have a a face that South Africans as a whole can look at and go, that's me, right? Regardless of what you what you may believe about Gates and McKenzie, coloured coloured individuals may look at him and they'll go, that's me, right? Look at look at Freedom Front Plus. You know Pete, Peter running that. They look at him. And they go, that's me. I have people to lazy. Zulus. Look at him. And they go, that's me. We look at John Steyners and we go soy boy like you know that's we do the guy you talk about him like that but it's it's a problem because it is it's he's he's not relatable because the party that he he stands for don't really have a kind of ethno-nationalistic type of component it's like what does he stand for they like look at john and they go pronouns gender toilets like that's that's what they that's what they see they don't see proud Zulu culture, they don't see proud Afrikaans culture, they don't see proud coloured culture, like they see gender toilets. I mean, to be honest, proud parades. I don't think
0: proud Anglo culture has ever existed. You're all just a bunch of extractive colonizers, and I truly do mean that. Anglos outside of Britain, Mm. they haven't defined the world. Look at America, the Irish defined it far more than the Brits. Now the Mexicans are defining it, the Italians define it, but Anglos outside of Britain don't
1: have a culture. Let's be really honest with ourselves. I'm not I'm not arguing that, mate. I think you're 100% correct. And if I actually look at the, the Anglo culture as a whole, it's deeply shameful. Yeah. It's deeply shameful that the ideas that made Anglos, Anglos are gone. Like, they, they're just gone. Anglos used to be a very proud nation. You know, it's like pe- people forget the original the original Anglos were Vikings, mate. <laughs> Like Ragnar went over to the UK and kicked the living shit out of the British and bloody killed off of them and took over most of the nation. Like these were a nation that went out there and prided in their own culture. My culture today, there's no pride in our culture, man. We're no ones. We're no ones. We're all, self, we're all self-defeating and we all want to kind of hate ourselves. We're just existing. Like that's not, that's not a culture, man. That's not a culture. So I'm not, I'm not arguing that, man. I'm not arguing that. Right. Right.
0: So, um, I had something else to say. Both of a Life of Me, I can't remember what we going.
1: This actually features in with the video we did today as well, right? I mean, obviously the video released today is what happens when the EFF go right wing and actually embrace some proper forms of nationalism? What happens when they actually put South Africa first? What happens when they actually adopt free market Enterprises? What happens when they actually allow South Africans to have their own kind of old clades and those old clades to thrive? And all they do is they keep the enclaves together in a system that that cooperates. In the true system of cooperation between different enclaves, I mean, you got you got golden years because that's how that's how nations should have been built. Not this collective, uniformist, blase like everybody's the same. Like oh fuck that shit, man. Yeah, I mean, uh, can we agree at least that the national
0: project in South Africa has failed? Right, it was kept together through oppression during apartheid and economic growth. Economic growth keeps the nation together. Then we had the 94 coup. I'll just call it that. A new regime was put in and that regime was defined by the rainbow nation and defined by economic growth as well. We haven't had that since 2009. It's 2023 now. So what's going to define the nation going forward? It's not going to be economic growth because fucking we've got the commies in charge and the rainbow nation. Oh yeah, please. Yes, please, of course. No, that's not going to define us either. So the only definitions are the ones that we inherently know ourselves psychologically, which is our identity, our culture, our ethnicity. And we're going to correlate and coalesce around those things. Um, and and therefore, those still thinking that 94 was like the project or is the project to pursue, are going to see the arse, like massively. Not next year in time to come, and therefore there needs to be a pivot, a strategy it that mean. says 94 was not the salvation, 94 was the downfall of South Africa as the nation state.
1: Yes, and I would, I would agree, because with 94, what should have happened is that people should have realized that what we really needed to do is not have exclusionary kind of national, how should we say, not have uh, exclusionary type policies that promote certain nationalistic type of interests of certain groups whilst all claiming everybody was equal right that's that's really what happened instead what we should have done is had a realization that south africa as a nation state is made up of a number of cultural identities and that each cultural identity is very proud of themselves i mean that's apparently the original dream that was sold to to everybody when we said ah we're founding we're founding the modern south africa has a constitution respect for your cultures but that's not actually the South Africa that we got. We got this relativistic guy. Everyone's the same, right? But the problem is everybody's different in their sameness. You know what I mean? Like, so there shouldn't be any real kind of laws that differentiate people one one cultural identity to another. In other words, I shouldn't be I shouldn't be favoured just because I'm a part of a specific culture. At the same time, neither should I be neither should I be downfold. But when I want to promote my culture, I also shouldn't be I shouldn't be discouraged from doing that. Right. we should have allowed people to thrive within their culture and figured out a system that we could use in order to get the different cultures to retain their own identity, but obviously also to also to to co co interact between each others. I mean, you know where I find that that interesting is you may look at this and say, "Well, this sounds like a lot of hogwash." Except we t- it's not. Look at an Orania man. I mean, Orania told us themselves like they're deeply Afrikaans. They encourage their own religion of Afrikaans, their you know, their own cultural identity of Afrikaans, they abide by their religion. They do everything in an Afrikaner spirit. And the first thing that everybody says is, yeah, but what about the black people? What did they tell us in Irania, man? Like how many black tribes are they dealing with around the country that are going to Irania saying, we want what you have for our people? And Iranian is like, cool, man, we'll help you build it. This is how we did it. This is what you must do. This is how it works. And they're going around. They're basically doing consultancy with different black national, nationalistic tribes that want to just promote their own tribes. And what are they actually doing in the process? They're agreeing, almost like working, trading peace agreements between these parties. So that once they have that heritage and that tribe, they can co-exchange. They can continue to work together, right? That's the nation project that we should have created. Yeah, it's it's it, it's like the
0: real separate but equal doctrine that apparently the national yep. body wanted but failed to to implement. And if you look at our Orania video, just read the comments look how many black people are like, this is great. We need this for black people. Yeah. I'm a bit surprised just... about that. I'm not really surprised, but it's not, it's not the usual thing you would hear in public yeah. at least, but at least they're happy enough to comment on our particular videos. So I did forget one thing though. The only way ethnic nationalism is not the future of South Africa is if we do have a dictator. Like mm. if Gator mm. McKenzie wants to become dictator and, you know, shock resets the state then you can have South Africa for another 20 years or so if done properly. but other than that I just don't see I just don't see South Africa continuing in any meaningful way
1: No I don't think it will continue the the track as I'm now and certainly as the ANC slips more in, into Marxist type policies as they allow the SACP to do more of their thinking I, I can't see that the parties or the the people of South Africa will continue to side with the ANC. The ANC traditionally got his support because of the Zulu voters, as you know. Because they had they had a number of high ranking Zulus at the top of their their party, including Jacob Zuma. And at the end of the day, like that's you know, that's what people voted for. They voted for their chief. But they're no chief there now, man. Like everybody there's just a grifter of the highest order. And you know what? Like most South Africans see through that. And you can see it, like you talk to any individual in the country and they're all like, ah, ANC's just grifters. So everybody sees through that. And the real kind of downfall with the ANC was the fact that it has no real nationalism anymore. It's just grift. It's all just grift. And that ultimately is also where the EFF, I think, will, will hit its ceiling. I think also people see that the EFF is a continuation of the grift. They, they lack, and certainly the black population, lack almost the black nationalistic type voice of the EFF if you look at it go on twitter mate. look at all the comments like yeah black child you're on your own The EFF the only support you have but then they realize that the EFF won open borders and this pan pan-African nationalism bullcrap and they're not actually interested in the cultural identity of South Africa as a whole then all of a sudden the support just disappears like overnight they're like ah I like what the EFF kind of does but I don't want this Pan-African shit. Then they're like, oh, we're going to expropriate all your property. And people are like, I like the EFF's nationalism. I don't like this expropriation. Marxist bullshit. Like, so I think people are really kind of hungry for that. So the only real party now that has any form of nationalism is really, especially for black people, is really only the IFP in my opinion. Yeah, well, I think the PA can become it uh, if, if they're smart, and I think they are. No, no, not for the not for the black population. I think for the kind of population, that, that's, yes. But, the black parts—they can
0: pivot without without losing the kind of nationalism side of it. Maybe I mean we'll we'll have to see.
1: But um, well, you say you say that, but I mean you know it's it's here's here's the problem, right? I mean the problem inevitably becomes this and that is, okay, let's let's assume for one second that they do kind of pivot and then start to kind of attract other parties, then. Don't they lose their nationalistic identity because now they're kind of doing the whole umbrella type of thing? So we're back to square one. We're back to the DA lot, right? No, I'm so, not, depending on the values, Iron, if you, if you coalesce
0: around the death penalty, you coalesce around walls, border walls, you coalesce around um, put South Africans first, that sort of stuff, you
1: coalesce around nationalism, not liberal values yeah yeah you know, it's a it's a ton, it's a tough one from my opinion because in my opinion you know I think that the days of having majority parties in South Africa or any country should be deemed to be finished I think we should start obviously taking the idea of like what they do in Holland so at the moment in, in the Netherlands was no actual real we country called Holland as you know in the Netherlands like the political parties there if you get 20% you are the majority man like there's no real kind of majorities. I think that's, that's okay. You can still form a working government with, you know, a few lots I of actually, 20 I fully disagree with you. There is
0: an overwhelming majority of libs. They're just different types of libs. In South Africa, you have an over one majority of nationalists, but different type of ethnic nationalists.
1: That makes it a lot worse. That's fine. 100%. And that's kind of what I'm saying. That's exactly what I'm saying. You know this idea that we have to have this one umbrella party that just captures all national, all nationalistic interests of all South Africans. I think a DA will kind of want to do that anyway. I suppose the ANC will claim to want to do that, but it doesn't work because they're all like, "Ah, oh, we're nationalistic to South Africa." Yeah, what's that? It
0: doesn't well, don't don't work. You have to set up a new, a new, a new, a new uh, definition of what South Africa is. I actually watched uh, The Burning Platform on Cliff Central and there's a guy called Penuel the Black Pen, who I'm in contact with, I want him on the show. He made a good point about about gangs in South Africa. He, he looked at like, this, this independent candidate stuff and it's bullshit because you get 200,000 votes, 180 of those are going to be discarded once you have a one seat in parliament because you only need 30,000 votes. So, what does it leave? It leaves more power to the big parties, right? And we made a whole video about this. So, at the end of the day, what works in South Africa is A, joining a gang, or you could call it an institution or a regulatory body or an NGO. Essentially, it's all gangs and leveraging the power of that gang to get what you want. That's the essence of South Africa, and he's completely correct in this regard. And the greater point is. The bigger your ethnic gang, the more leverage you'll have in this country.
1: I think you're right.
0: I think you're right. But no one's gonna join a lib gang. Is my second point. the
1: Fuck wants to join a lib gang, Like we don't even want to join a lib gang, despite being so-called DA shills. Like we don't even want to join that shit, man. Like who cares? We want. We want. Like, you and you and I, we talk about this. We want good hardcore Christian nationalism, man. Just let us have our Christian nationalism and our, our Christian nationalistic enclave. Like, we're happy, man. Like, we'll interact with every. are we more likely to find that? Amongst the blacks and the coloreds, let's be honest.
0: I think so, yeah. I'm afraid so. Like, these guys are our brothers. Even Al-Jamar, okay, yeah, they're Muslims, but they're like sort of Muslim nationalists. Like, we can get that. We're not joining them, but we can understand that. Like, they're sort of our our compatriots in this. But a lib gang? Mm. think of a race, probably not.
1: I don't know, man. I, I, I must say, even on that Christian nationalistic thing, I recently watched a podcast with Andrew Tate. I don't actually watch any of his stuff. Oh, yeah. but I know. Came, but I came across one just talking about why he's more likely to support Islam than he is Christianity. And he makes a bloody compelling case. You know, the Islamics don't bow their knee to nothing. Christians these days just like fall for everything. <laughs> You want to be liberal? Be liberal. You want to have LGBTs? Have LGBTs. You want to marry a dog? Marry a dog. And love, it's like, right. If you love Jesus, nothing else matters. Which is
0: bullshit. Which is like I don't answer. That's the lib gang right there.
1: Just be a liberal. Do whatever you want. There you go. 100%. 100%. 100%. And that's why he was like, that's why he's like, ah, Christians these days. He's like, where's this? Muslims are like, nope. That's the rules. Follow the rules. Don't follow the rules your head of the end, and it's like it's very hardcore, but it actually makes a lot of sense. Mm. So, like I said, I usually watch Andrew Tate videos. I did catch this one, and I was like, "Actually, it's a good argument." You know, and I think I think it's a it's even an argument that uh, Pastor Doug Wilson would get behind. Though. He's like, he's also like, yeah, he's like, Christian nationalism. That's the identity. If you don't, if you don't form with identity. Get out and go live in another another cultural identity somewhere else. That's fine. Yeah, you do that, What's but you're not. Somewhere else,
0: not here. That's the key. Did you ever watch Tucker Carlson's Heritage Foundation speech just before we got fired? I did. He said something extremely interesting. It's like, if you just tell the truth all the time and you live by the truth, you're gonna be clean. You're gonna be happy. You're going to be all these wonderful things. If you live by lies, it's actually satanic. It makes you dirty, physically and spiritually.
1: Also makes you unemployed, as you, he later found out. Well, no, no, the truth makes you unemployed, but he, he's got lots of
0: money. I'm not too worried about him in that respect, and I'll follow and support anything he does in the future. But I'm, I'm bringing this to South Africa in terms of if political parties or communities or whatever the case might be live truthfully according to who they are in mm-hmm. a highly truthful manner, they're going to get by a lot quicker and accelerate a lot faster than anyone who's just a lib, than anyone who's nice. just putting on a scene.
1: Completely agree. And it's funny that in those instances where those kind of cultural identities are, are defined and, and thrive, I think that we're far more likely to actually see success in those communities because people actually feel that they're part of a collective. And, and as
0: it, it Success
1: means a, a lot more, a, um, success means very different things. To
0: us in the Zulu culture, is that thing is corruption? It's called facilitation, bro. Like, you gonna see the chief facilitate. You wanna do this? Facilitation. We need to normalize facilitation. You go to Zimbabwe, put, put, put up a mine, they're not gonna say oh, this is corruption, you must pay us a million dollars. They're gonna be like, you need permission. You need to facilitate the operation of a mine, and that facilitation is gonna cost you a million dollars. And that is a line item in the budget. And it's completely normal. I do in South Africa with the libs we're like, oh, corruption, corruption. No, we need to normalize facilitation because once we normalize it politically, everyone agrees what it is. It becomes a standard, and then you can actually plan your fucking future in this country. But right now we don't even do that. We're like, oh, corruption's bad, but it's not. But it is worse in some sense. No, just just standardize it. For okay. a lot of counts. and there you go, because believe it or not, guys, not everyone thinks like white South Africans about corruption. People just think it's the most normal thing in the world. It's called facilitation,
1: and it's worked but... for thousands and thousands of years. So apparently, according to uh, apparently uh, according to existing um, world statistics, apparently at the moment, the one country that is not going to be uh, seeing an economic downturn is India. I don't know if you've seen that from the, IF, the, the IMF. So the India is not going to be having any form of economic downturn in the next medium medium to short term. They're uh, actually not going to have any forms of uh, economic depressions. They, they're actually doing rather well. Do you know why I mention India? Because in India, facilitation is part and parcel of it, man. Everybody knows in India, if you want something done, there's almost this extra tax which just has to get paid and off you go and you're done. Like, it's just accepted norms. Yeah, it's like, it's like one of my favorite movies called The Rock. The movie
0: in 1996 with Sean Connery at Nicolas Cage about Alcatraz. Nicolas Cage is this old CIA guy who's retired anyway and he, and he, and he talks about the prom queen, winners and losers. I don't know if you even know about the speech. Basically, I'm not to add here. Yeah, I forgot most of it, but, he says, you know, losers like always stay at home and do nothing. Winners go home and fuck the prom queen. Libs yeah. are like the losers. They're like, it's corruption, so I can't do it. And they never get anywhere in life because of it. Or they move to Australia and go, be put in a covert death camp. Like, that's the lib mentality. And unfortunately, I hope that's not the DA mentality in time to come when they find themselves under pressure from these ethnic, nationalist, political parties. Because the ethnic nationalist political parties are going to fuck the Bronx Queen because they are living their truth
1: and understanding that facilitation is part of the process. So I think that's exactly what it's going to be in the time to come. And we are already seeing that with the DA, even in the Johannesburg province. The DA is sitting there going, Oh, but you know, we, we're we the good guys. Don't, don't moan at us. Yeah, but you're not in power, mate. No one likes you. You got none of the vote, so what are you going to do? Yeah, but Gayton's not that cool, so we can't support him. Okay, and they're not supporting him, no worries. You're left out in the rain on your own with no one to with no one to cuddle it now because you're not in power. You dipshits. Like it's not complicated, man. Like you know what do you what do you want to be? Do you want to be in charge or do you want to be out in the rain? Like, pick pick your poison.
0: Yeah. I mean, do you want to be alone in your room or do you want to be fucking the prong queen?
1: Those are your things. Oh, no, but, you know. But at least I have a condom with me and I'm clean. <laughs> yeah, but you're still alone, mate. So. <laughs> you're, you're still alone. <laughs> you are still alone.
0: I just don't, I mean, I just don't understand the, the DA. Sometimes, it's like a loser strategy. It's like we'd rather not win because it's a bad deal. Deals aren't meant to be good or bad. It's just the odd of the possible at the end of the day. And, and sooner or later, no one's going to come to you with any deal whatsoever because you're insignificant. That's yeah, that's thing. happening. That's happening at the moment. Though. That's happening. The mean drop acts happening without the DA, guys. Why? Because they don't understand that ethnic nationalism is the future. Simple as that.
1: And no one really gives a shit about DA kind of bull crap anymore. You know, I, I see this on Twitter, man. I said you, like everybody, you say DA to people, and they're like, oh, do you remember that LGBT thing they did with Proud, where they tried to force it on the kids in school, and they made people cry. We did a video on it. And you're like, oh, DA. And they go, didn't they try to force us to have a medical procedure of unknown specification? It's like, yeah, they did. That's right. And then you go, like, DA. And you're like, mm, didn't they, like, do this, this, and that. It's all like the libtard policies that nobody really likes. It's all coming back to bottom in the now. The problem is that outside of those Tat policies, those Tat policies that no one really wants, what's the DA really kind of got going for anymore? All good governance. You know how you get good governance, mate? You get it through power. You have to control the levers of power to govern well. No one just gives it to you. You need to earn it. You need to go to you need to go to the voter and get them to give you that power. You don't have the power, so shut up. To call back, yourself, shut up,
0: right? <laughs> uh, it's so true. It's so simple yet so true, but people just don't seem to understand it. Like I just, and that's and this is irrevocable proof that we don't work for the DA because if we did, we would tell them this long time ago. Be like, you can't do anything with our power, guys. Get
1: power first, sort out your principles later. That's the truth about everything in life. Oh, mate. Fuck off with principles and politics. Where the fuck have you ever found a principled politician? Donald Trump is very principled. What are you talking about? <coughs> no comments. I like the old man. He's a, he's a, he's a, he's a funny old chap. I miss his old jigs, and I'm not going to make comments. Because right. whenever we mention anything about Donald Trump, everybody throws a Karen on us. Well, what I will say in South Africa is like, what fucking politician do you know that's actually is actually a proper politician with principles? You got the fucking commies, mate. Like the commies all driving around in bloody Maseratis, and they're like, oh, but let's share the wealth of South Africa. These bloody capitalists, I eh? I fucking hate those capitalists. Like you can't even say capitalists, you bloody moron. Yeah, but I hate them. Uh, by the way, I bought a brand new Maserati. It's lovely, it's brilliant. And my nice iPhone 14 is the best. Like, there's no principles in politics, mate. There's only power. Yeah. Power. He who has power controls the politics. Everybody else is just the losers going along with the, with what the people in power say. Once you understand the power dynamics, it becomes a lot easier to understand. They don't understand the power dynamics. They don't understand that they are irrelevant Until they hold the levers of power. In which case. Get your fucking levers of power. Do you know who also understood this? I worked for the man. David Cameron. David Cameron understood this. The election. Where he had to take the labor government. He had to get the labor government. And he had to flip it to the Tories. David Cameron knew something. I need power. So he made a deal with the devil. The deal. The devil at the time was the Lib Dems. Who had policies that David Cameron did not agree with one bit, but he didn't care because the Lib Dems gave him power. Once he got that power, he made the Lib Dems irrelevant. Yeah. In any modern election, no, the Lib Dems get zero percent of the vote. No one cares about them because David Cameron made them irrelevant over four years. Nick Clegg was deputy president under his or deputy prime minister under his reign. When was the last time you heard that name? Nick Clegg. Nobody fucking knows Nick Clegg. I walked past Nick Clegg one day in the bloody tube station. I was like, oh, it's Nick Clegg. Like, I'd, no one even looks at the guy. I don't even know who he is anymore. He's irrelevant. You know how you make a person irrelevant? You need to first gain the levers of power. Yeah. You need to give you the enough of power first. Yeah, don't have power, mate. They're like, you know, we know you've got some power, and we want you to give us your power. And they will be all powerful. Like, are you dumb, man? That the not fucking happen. That's like me. That's like a robber comes to rob me. They put a gun to me. And I go, mate, just before you decide to rob me, can I have the gun from you? Because I'd like to be the one in control. And then the robber goes, sure thing, buddy. Here's the gun. And you go back and you point the gun at him going, ha, 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 ha. Mr. Robber. Now you can't mug me. Like, what a robber does that? Fucking no one. So why does the DA expect that to occur in politics? It's stupid. It's stupid.
0: No, it really is. It really is. I've got nothing more to add to that other than going back to the top of the hour, Ethnic naturalism in South Africa is real. The fragmentation of South Africa is real. And they're going to eat the DA and the ANC up for dinner unless they are completely aware of that. That's it, really. Any final thoughts from you, Byron?
1: No. Um... Must say that obviously, you know, we, we once got told something, and this may be worthwhile repeating on the show. Guys, if you love the DA, attack it and make it better. Don't you don't have to necessarily give up on it? You don't even have to say it's just irrelevant for now, but we can't allow it to continue like this. What we need to do is we need to attack it and make it better. See any option? Uh, Yeah, I'm not too sure with
0: that. I'd love. We're not doing this because love the DA, by the way. No, not at
1: all. Not at all. Not at all. With that being said, I will actually leave you with one last uh, comment. What actually is completely off the topic, completely off the topic. But I thought I will mention it as a as a final as a final comment. So, Ramon, good news has just come out. Breaking news, breaking news, people, breaking news. Apparently, the World Health Organization has now just deemed the virus of unknown specified origin to no longer be a global health emergency. In which case, let's all now sit back and also remind ourselves that it was little over two years ago that we were all pointing little guns at each other's heads, pulling the trigger, and then telling, sh- turning it around and showing everybody what the temperature said, as if somehow that really made a difference. You couldn't walk into a shop unless you actually put some... Like alcohol gel on your hands that made your hands really like clammy and sticky. You couldn't walk in a shop unless you did that. If you went into 14 shops in one day, you got 14 doses of alcohol all over your hands. For what reason? Don't know. If you worked in an office space, you couldn't leave your office space without first spraying your desk down or wiping it down with uh, some funny liquid. And if you went out into the public, you had to wear a face stopper. Like this was over two years ago and it is no longer a global emergency. In Africa, where less of the population has had any form of uh, medical procedures against their wills, we have to ask ourselves this fundamental question, which is as the hard right extremist groups that we supposedly all are, that avoided our medical procedures with every ounce of our, our freedom and fiber of being, we have to leave ourselves with one question, and that is, Ramon, how are we still alive? Well, I only have
0: one question relating to that, Byron, is why aren't these people hanging? From traffic lights across all the major cities of the world. It's one of the greatest crimes perpetuated on humanity. And these people are still breathing.
1: That's the real question we need to ask. Yep. Even the NHS's uh, COVID app has officially been turned off and discontinued. I wish we could turn off and discontinue pharmaceutical companies
0: and medical researchers for the next century. I think our lives would be a lot better for it.
1: And possibly the the media class, the classically liberal, or shall we say now aged media class, what well, we would typically refer to as the legacy media class, because their time was done. We all realized that there were nothing more than shills with the pharmaceuticals and the governments, and this was never about a medical procedure, it was never about a medical health emergency, it was only ever about control.
0: Indeed. Unlike us. So please voluntarily donate money to us by becoming a member on Substack. We're not going to hold a gun to your head. Maybe soon if you don't. So, <laughs> <I'm> in <saying wrong>. advance. <laughs> <laughs> all right, everyone. Have a good cool. weekend. We'll see you all next week. Cheers. Cheers. Bye.